This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au. Okay, so we've, we've been looking uh, for the last few weeks at discipleship, um, at the process of being apprentices of Jesus. And Daniel's been leading us through that. But this week we want to have um, a bit of time out, do something a little bit different uh, and just hear some short reflections and stories from people from amongst this fellowship about their own experience of discipleship. And so uh, there'll be four short reflections um, and then we'll have a question, which I'd like to talk a little bit about. And the reflections are from me, uh, from Ant, from... Kate and from Fiona. So each of them will come up in time, in turn, and just uh, give a bit of reflection. So I get to go first. And I often reflect on uh, the place that discipleship has had in my life because I became a Christian just a couple of months before my 18th birthday. And uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and my understanding of my faith was very much based on my experiences and my learning as a person who grew up in a Catholic family, going to Mass every Sunday morning, went to Catholic schools right through my primary and secondary education. And Catholicism was my grandparents' heritage, three of my four grandparents and all my aunts and uncles and cousins. So I was steeped in a Catholic interpretation of what it meant to be a Christian. And uh, I rebelled against all of that as a 15-year-old. And, and um, you know, God graciously and miraculously turned my life around just before I turned 18. And I thought I knew everything I needed to know. Uh, I, I had learnt so much through my school years and through my early years before I um, turned away from it all that I thought I knew everything that I needed to know. And you won't believe this, but within months of committing my life to the Lord, which I did still within the framework of the Catholic Church through the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Movement, which is a real movement of the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church. Um, Within a few months of making my own personal commitment to follow Jesus, I was leading youth groups and and leading week-long camps with 120 uh, school children attending, Christian camps being led by me. And a few other people like me. Uh, We were all 18 to 25 years of age. We'd all grown up in the Catholic Church, one in the Anglican Church, but um, most of us in the Catholic Church. We had a a particular understanding of what it meant to be Christians. And we weren't discipled by anybody. We were accountable to nobody. You know, can you imagine a bunch of seven or eight 18 to 25-year-olds doing all the stuff that I just described without any mature oversight. Uh, We made some terrible mistakes and I made terrible mistakes in my personal life. And my life as someone who also claimed to be a Christian was hardly a good witness to who Jesus really is. And so my story is about not being discipled and the perils that that represents. And I have been very fortunate 
in my life to have uh, moments and seasons of influence that have helped me shape, helped to shape me as the, as the believer that I am today and the follower that I am today. But I have never had a person in my life who I would think of as the person who was discipling me, someone that I could sit down with uh, and discuss my journey and where I was at and, and, and what had come up in my life and, and to get advice about how to deal with those things and to learn more about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I never had that. Um, Mary, my wife, has been that to a degree. You know, she's been someone who would, if only look at me <laughs> with one of those looks, um, to suggest to me gently that the way I was behaving didn't really line up with what I said I believed. Uh, and perhaps that's the closest I've come to having a constant influence in my life in a discipleship sort of a way. I've been very lucky just on odd occasions that things have cropped up, and I only want to speak about two of those, and I will be quick. Once fairly early in um, our marriage, I got a phone call one afternoon to say, oh, there's a um, Victorious Ministries Through Christ weekend on training um, people in prayer counselling and deliverance ministries, and they need some guinea pigs to go along and um, be prayed for, you know, in this particular approach to prayer counselling and deliverance ministry and healing that, that is a part of the Victorious Ministries Through Christ ministry. And I just thought, yep, I'll do that. That's okay. I don't mind being a guinea pig for this process. And, uh, and, and as I was driving out to the venue, I just found myself making a commitment to myself that I would hold nothing back. You know, I didn't understand the process I was submitting myself to at all, but, but I, I was kind of understanding and fearful that it would mean confessing sin that I hadn't spoken of to anyone else ever before in my life. And um, that came with a fair bit of hesitation, you can imagine. But something in me, the Holy Spirit at work in me, convinced me that I had to give in to this process and just go with it. And I did. And... Um, and, and that was a real moment of discipleship in my life. It was a laying down of things that had been wrong in my life for decades, things I needed to repent of, and, and, and things I needed to take to God, speak out, not just, you know, in my own heart, think, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry I did that, God, and never even utter the words, to a witness who would then pray for me with the authority that Jesus has given us to forgive each other's sins and so on. That was monumental in my life. And it's something that um, a person who's been discipled would expect to experience as part of the journey they go on with the person who's sharing that journey with them. But I didn't have that. It was just this moment, a, a, a very significant moment, but a moment in my life. So that's one example of how, despite me not having a person in my life who has discipled me over a long period, God has found ways of dealing with me in the areas that needed to be dealt with. The second example I want to give you came many, many, many years later, uh, probably only six or seven years ago, where I was fortunate enough 
to be invited to join a spiritual leadership formation um, retreat course workshop in Singapore with Prison Fellowship that I um, volunteer with. And it was two lots of two weeks separated by 12 months. And, and we had incredibly competent international uh, speakers and, and uh, authors and academics and giving input to this group of people. And it was very personal and intimate as well. It was only about this many people. And um, stuff I'd never thought about carefully enough before, but we were in an environment where it was easy to think about those things. And we were encouraged, we were given time to think about them, all sorts of different things. And I won't go into all those details. But in between, during that year, Every week we had an assignment, something that we had to think about, write about or do and report back, which was, you know, building on building on building on building on building, the sorts of things I should have been doing decades before, 20 years before. And, and a key moment in the second lot of two weeks when I came back after this whole year, we were um, challenged to just go out in the evening and find a quiet spot and just spend time with God and hear what he was saying to us. I don't do enough of that. But, I, but, but something very significant for me happened on that particular evening because I heard God say to me one word. What do you think that word might have been? Surrender. You know, I, I try so hard to do things myself, to, to be in control, to be good at this or good at that. And it was just surrender. And, and so there's another moment in my interrupted, irregular, <laughs> uh, non-ideal discipleship journey where God managed to step in and bring about the discipling I needed to have through, through that. So I, I just share that story mostly because I don't think it's a good example of what discipleship should look like, but. God steps in. God makes things right. Um, and we just have to be ready to respond when he prompts us. And I thank God that I was in the right frame of mind to respond the right way on each of those occasions. All right. And. Thank you. Um, it's great to hear. I mean, it's wonderful to hear these other stories. And, and one of the reflections I have is even though they're can at times be such a vacuum of, of you know, really strong, healthy men and women around us to guide us and shape us in our faith, that God is still so good and God still gets us to the point where we're at today despite of that. And that's just encourage, encourages me. And I just wanted to share um, a couple of stories, one, I guess, for me as a kid and then one more of what where I'm at now and um, so, and sort of look at both sides of the coin, one where I'm, I was being discipled and one where I'm doing some discipling and take out a couple of lessons from that. So, as a, as a young, you know, teenager, I, um, and as most do, you don't want to be at home, you don't want to be listening to your parents tell you, you don't want to, you know, you're not really interested in in learning their faith or what they're about. You want to, you look elsewhere and that's what I did as a teenager. And I was fortunate enough that I had a couple of other men in the church at that time who 
took me under their wing. And when I look back and go, well, what did they do that made such an impact on me? They just spent time with me. They invited me around to their house and we did simple mundane stuff like gardening, like playing games on, you know, a computer, like um, actually going and, you know, hanging out with their family. So it wasn't just me and them one-on-one, it was often family stuff. It was around the dinner table. And then they would also be leading a youth group or leading a, a study and so we'd also explore in death depth stuff about the Bible, stuff about faith. You know, they'd explain why they believe what they believe. They'd pass that on, share that on. And as a young person, um, I was a sponge. You know, I just, I saw that and I just absorbed it. It wasn't, you know, I look back and go, well, they, you know, there wasn't a great amount of um, dedication or some, you know, there wasn't a signed contract saying this is what we're going to do or there wasn't formality around it. It was actually just life on life. And there was a couple of, like, over my journey, there was three particular men who really played that role for me and shaped and really put me on a healthy path and avoided, for me, avoided a lot of the pitfalls because of that. Um, And I'm just so grateful to this day. And so I guess the lesson, like, if I think about that and if you're in a position of, you know, you, you're feeling like there's a bit of a void there, then I'd really encourage you to search it out, hunt it out, and then be a sponge. Open yourself up to just take every opportunity you can. And I think, you know, as a teenager, that's, that's easier. You haven't got the commitments of work or of, you know, some of the responsibilities as an adult. But, you know, I also I wonder if that's what Jesus is alluding to a bit about a childlike faith is that, or if there is this opportunity, just run with it, take it, um, you know, put aside some of that other stuff that might just get in the way and just be a sponge and pursue that. And that, you know, applies as an adult, as a kid, wherever you are in your journey. Um, and then the other story I wanted to share was about a young fellow, I guess, I, I both work with and but also have just really enjoyed hanging out with in life and and I see this as discipleship. Now, he hasn't yet given his life to Jesus, um, but he's very open, he's very willing. And so it's both discipleship and, I guess, it's also, for me, it's, it's wanting to see him actually walk into a life following Jesus as well. So it's both, for me, it's an opportunity to share my faith and share what I believe, as well as nurture and guide him through those, some of those years. And so... Some of the stuff, so I met him as an 11-year-old. He's now 16. And through that time, we've we've gained quite a close, you know, it's a friendship now. It's not a um, just a professional relationship or anything like that. But, um, you know, the things we've done in mountain biking, riding bikes, this has been a great opportunity for so much of this. Um, Part of my work is I restore bikes with young people and so he's involved in that every week so there's that consistent regular rhythm of every week I'm seeing him every week we're doing stuff together just side by side having those conversations and then there's opportunities one-on-one so we might go for a bike ride and just say hey come with me come and 
come for a ride and on that ride in the car there in stopping on the trail and we have so many conversations around life and challenges and what's going on for him I share what's going on for me you know and I think that's really important as someone if there is someone who's looking to you or wanting to learn from you to be able to open up your life and actually share don't wait for them to ask the questions just share share what your struggles are share how you're processing it share your journey and, um, you know, I remember just sitting around a fire and it was on a camp one night and he's talking about his own mental health. And, you know, he went through a period of about six months where he was really struggling and he just said, around that fire, he just said, you know, the thing that got me through was just knowing that there was someone there, not just one person but his parents, me and some others who were continually just barracking for him and encouraging him. And he said too, you know, praying for me as well. You know, and he's, he's as I said, he hasn't given his life to Jesus, but he is part of that. And, um, you know, he's a 16-year-old boy, your typical babysitter, right? No, <laughs> that. He comes and babysits Max. So, you know, Amy knows him. We've got him involved in the family life. He's great with Max. And, you know, he babysits Max and Max has his little bedtime routine where he, you know, where we pray, we sing a song um, and do that with him. And Alex will do that. Alex will come and do that. He's like, oh, what do I pray for? I'm like, just pray for, ask Max what he's thankful for and pray for that, you know. Like, here we are discipling a, you know, it feels like a discipling a kid who's not yet a Christian, but just having those opportunities. And it's mundane, everyday stuff. It's not anything, you know, whiz-bang or fancy. And that's what I love about it. And I do see it. It's just so important. Um, and it is so just key to, I think, to be able to open up our lives and do that for someone else is such a gift. It is such a, um, I think, just the pave, you know, the the input and the... Um, the long-lasting impact of that goes for years and years and years and you can never underestimate that. And that's be my encouragement as well. So, thanks. Thanks, Ant. You're the bloke I needed 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's exactly right. It's just that regular involvement in the life of another who, who might only be half a step less well advanced on the journey that you're on but you've got something to share all right Kate um hi I'm Kate um I'm a member here at Together Church and I thought I'd share a few real life examples of the sermons that Uncle Dan the guy who's normally up here speaking has been talking about um and he asked me to think about two people in my life who have shown me these discipleship traits that we've been talking about. And the people who stand out for me are Pippi and Amy. And they are both in my missional community, along with many others. Um, a couple of the sermons Uncle Dan has talked about is life on life and invitation and challenge. Um, life on life means seeing someone do life. So this could be watching them cook dinner to seeing them as a parent but it also means having them live closely with me. 
and the rest of the missional community. This could be school drop-offs, last-minute playdates, popping around for a surprise cup of tea just because. Um, and I have learnt so many things just by living closely with them. I was trying to come up with examples of things that they have taught me, but with a little help I realised I haven't just learnt how to do things as such, I've also learnt how to be a better person. So, Pippi and Amy have shown me traits that have shaped me into who I am today. Pippi has mentored me since I was baptised in 2018. She's always there to chat through things and she helps me keep pointing back to God in all aspects of my life. Amy has shown me how to be more patient and truly gracious. Both of these women in my life have shown an abundance of invitation in the time they have spent with me, encouraging me, inviting me into their homes and sharing about their life. At times, they've also challenged me. At the time, this sometimes feels hard, but it's always so fruitful, and it's definitely better than when mum and dad do it. <laughs> Even though I don't love being challenged by people, I think it deepens my relationship with Amy and Pippi because I feel loved, but I also know they'll be honest with me. The relationship I share with Amy and Pippi is very special to me, and both women play an important role in my life. I hope everyone finds people like Amy and Pippi to rely on, guide you through life, challenge you, and point you towards God. Thanks, Kate. And can I just encourage you, um, I often find myself getting very emotional when I'm sharing and, and I just go with it as you did. Um, you know, to me that's the Holy Spirit welling up in you and it's it just don't feel embarrassed or, um, you know, lose, lose the thread or anything. Just go with it. Let, let your emotions settle down again but make sure you say the thing that was about to come out when you choked up, which you did. That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I heard from you is uh, how sometimes it's better to hear it from someone outside the family, you know. And, yeah, I mean, none of our three children, I've actually got a fourth children, which a fourth child, which relates to something I said before <laughs> about making a big mess of my life when I was in my early 20s. Um, None of the four of them are walking with the Lord. And I think if there'd been one or two other people in our family life who'd taken that role of discipleship seriously and spoken into the lives of our children, maybe something would have been different because they sure didn't want to hear it from us. <laughs> All right, um, Fiona, you're up next. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I... I'm not sure that I'm going to... I'm just going to add my own take on to what's been said, I think, because um, my stuff is life on life and, and invitation and challenge as well. Um, so Daniel has been taking us through um, life shape stuff and, um, and I've been a part of churches that are very high invitation and I've been a part of churches that are very high challenge. Um, but this is my probably my first experience of a, a beautiful balance between the two. Um, and I've definitely learnt a lot more about myself and a lot more about God in the last nine months being here than I have in 26 years sitting on pews in other churches. Um, 
I think, like, through the life shape stuff that we've been doing. So if you've um, been in, involved in, oh, I think we started earlier in the year and then have picked up more recently, so you, um, you'd be familiar with the shapes. And um, if you're not, then probably jump online and have a listen because it's well worth it. But I think through doing those, like, I've learnt to read scripture um, deeper, you know, just sharing with other people and being um, discipled in that to, to actually learn to read it. Um, I've learnt how to listen and pray, like we have prayer every Tuesday morning and that's like a real weakness for me. So just being in a community with people who are praying so passionately, like it's just a, such a great experience. Um, and how to lead others, I think... Um, with the, the semicircle shape, like my biggest Kairos moment um, during the COVID space was that I've always been a doer. So I've got quite a significant trauma background and so my identity's been really lost and, and I've been a doer. And, um, and during COVID, everything stopped. And so... You know, the people that we normally did life with weren't there and my work wasn't there and I was just at home. And I actually, I would have always considered, see in the semicircle, like we're, we're talking about um, resting and we're talking about working and we're talking about working from a place of rest. And I would have always considered myself to be an extrovert. You know, always around people, always doing stuff, going on camps, but I actually realised when I stopped and thought about it, those experiences really drained me. And so, you know, although in the middle, I, I love them and I love the lead up and I love preparing, but at the end I felt really exhausted. And during COVID, I actually had space to stop and rest. And I actually think now that I might be a bit more of an introvert. And I think that maybe that's the first time that I've rested the way God created me to rest in 50 years. And so that was huge for me. Um, and since then I've been able to let go of a lot of the stuff that defined me. Um, that I'm, I'm not even working now, so I'm not really doing much of anything, just resting. And it's really hard. It's really hard not to be out there picking stuff up. But in the community of people that I'm in, they've created space for that to be okay. For, and and they're, they're challenging me and they're encouraging me and, and they're praying for me. And um, I think like, um, like Michael missed out on and Kate and Anne have talked about for us is the life on life stuff um, that people are investing in us and that they care about us beyond the Sunday service. So people are coming to our house and doing life with us. People are inviting me into prayer groups or um, discipleship groups. Um, they're investing in the kids. And so it's not just me against the world. It's a whole community of people um, helping us along the way. And then I've found that I'm able to apply what I'm learning. So, you know, there's so many people that I've talked to and they're like, you know, I'm feeling like this and I'm 
got pen and paper out and, and drawing shapes and, you know, oh, this is this and, you know, this is this great book and da-da-da-da-da. And so people are doing that. And also leading a hope group, just, you know, doing that life on life with other people. Um, so that's also been a really amazing experience. So thank you. Thanks, Fiona. It, it's um, incredible if you asked Mary or me what, what's our reflection on the whole coronavirus season, it's been the thing about rest. We've just loved the rest. Uh, you know, I know it's meant other things to other people, but you learn about rest, you learn about the importance of rest, you even try and introduce a bit more rest into your life and then God does something that means you've got no choice uh, and you realise the full benefit of, of the rest that we've all been learning about. So part of the discipleship process, I think, is that God opens up opportunities which um, we step into and, and we suddenly get it because our experience of whatever it is we've been taught, learning about, practising, just becomes so much bigger and so much richer and I think that um, what Fiona shared about um, rest during the time of COVID is a good example of that. Now, that, those were our four short reflections. Um, and I hope that each of you, there's been something for, from that for each of you that you've been able to take away with you or will take away with you and think, yeah, that, that was given a new focus, a new emphasis for me that means a little bit more than it might have meant before and I'm grateful for it. I hope you're feeling that way. But I did promise you a question. And here's the question in red. Why did Jesus choose Peter to be, to be the leader of the people that he had appointed to be makers of disciples? What was it about Peter that stood out? I mean, Jesus, Jesus had to choose from a group of people only slightly less in number than we've got here today. And one of those people had more or less excused himself <laughs> and Jesus had 11 left and he chose Peter. Why did he choose Peter? And I'd like to look at that question briefly because discipleship, as a responsibility that we each have can appear to be too difficult, too demanding, require too much of us. And we might balk at committing ourselves to it. And we might hold back from doing it well. And there's a few things about Peter, I think, that we can learn and apply in terms of how we approach discipleship. So, let's have a look at this. Here's the first one. And this is the story about the storm, Jesus walking on the water, and he calls to Peter. He says, come, Peter. And Peter left the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. There were other people in that boat who didn't step out of the boat. But Peter did. So what... Is it that this episode shows us about Peter above and beyond the other followers of Jesus? Chloe said it, trust. Peter trusted Jesus. Now you just imagine any one of you in that boat on that night being invited to step out and walk across the water and, and do the thing that you could see Jesus was doing. 
Who would do it? I actually don't know whether I would or not. I'd have to be there. But I can imagine lots of reasons why I might have decided not to. But Peter trusted Jesus. And I think that's a key thing. That's a key reason that Jesus chose Peter to be the leader of those who were given the job of making disciples. And we've been given that job too. And if we want to do it well, we need to trust Jesus. Something looks too hard. Something looks impossible. But Jesus said it is possible. Trust Jesus. That's the first one. Okay, the next one. Um, This is from... Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Then Jesus said to his followers, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. How did Peter know that? Really, how did Peter know that? Do you think he'd studied the scriptures carefully and and worked it all out? Or he, he'd been told and he was just repeating what he'd already been told? None of those things. He intuitively knew who Jesus was. The Holy Spirit had revealed the truth to Peter in his spirit and he spoke it out. And, and I call that spirit intuition. You know, that the Holy Spirit revealed to him what he needed to know about Jesus. And he had the courage and boldness and confidence to speak it out. And I think that's another key reason why Jesus was prepared to select Peter to be the leader of those who were given the job of making disciples of all men. And we're given the same job. And spirit intuition being... Open to what the Holy Spirit is telling you about a situation, a person, an event, a scripture and being bold enough to speak out the thing that the Spirit has spoken to your spirit. I think that's really, really important. So that's the next thing. The third one, um, and this is when Jesus is washing the feet of his followers And Peter wants to know what's going on, and Jesus explains it to him. And in John chapter 13, verse 9, Simon Peter says, Lord, after you wash my feet, then wash my hands and my head also. Once he got it, he was so excited about what was going on that he wanted to be all in, all of me, all over. And it was that boots and all enthusiasm that Peter showed once he had the understanding, that that's the third thing that really stands out to me about Peter. And once again, is one of the reasons why Jesus chose Peter to be the leader of those who were called to make disciples of all men. Boots and all. He was totally committed. Now, there's some other stuff about Peter. <laughs> he messed up. Buckets of times. But here's three in particular uh, that we know about. He contradicted Jesus. Not, Not long after that revelation that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, 
And then Jesus goes on to explain what's going to happen to him, dying, uh, be raised up, all this stuff. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 not that way, you know, do it this way. We're not, that doesn't sound right. You can't be the Messiah. Those things can't be true if you're the Messiah. It must be this. So he didn't understand, he didn't, in his own thinking, he didn't understand. In his spirit, he gave the right answer only seconds before. And then his understanding of what was going on was, you know, all wrong. And he basically contradicted Jesus. Not a good move. Uh, in John chapter 18, verse 10, when Jesus is arrested, Peter draws the sword and cuts off the ear of, you know, one of the helpers or, or whatever. You know, like he, it's a fight. I'm in. And once again, he misunderstood the situation misunderstood what, how Jesus was responding to it and didn't follow the lead that Jesus had set. So he messed up. And again, then, of course, it's um, Peter, even after being warned that this would happen, who denied Christ three times while, um, while Jesus was being tried. Now, the thing I get from all of this is that Peter messed up, but he was teachable. You know, even though he knew he'd messed up, he, he was able to reshape his behaviour. And uh, we all mess up. And, and we might lose heart. And we might, something that we do wrong might cause us to think, well, I'm not worthy of being a maker of disciples anymore. Uh, Peter wasn't like that. You know, he came back, had another go, and, and he became a very, very important leader in the church and we still read his letters and his advice today as you know um so i think those four things are important for each of us to remember when we face the challenge that we have all been called to make disciples of others and we need to trust jesus we need to trust the holy spirit speaking to our spirit and speak out whatever it is that the Spirit is telling us to speak out. And we need to be all in. You know, some of what um, Kate shared about the women who've spoken into her life, that requires real commitment from um, Pippi and from Amy to be there. Aunt with Alex, same thing. That's not just, oh, you know, Tuesday, I don't do that on Tuesdays or... No, nah, I'm going fishing with my other mates this weekend. You know, whatever it is, there's a full-on commitment that is called for to um, disciple another and to be a part of their life and doing their life-on-life stuff. It's not a part-time thing. That's, that's a full-time thing. So Peter um, gave great evidence of that. And then Peter made mistakes, but he bounced back. And, and Jesus honoured the fact that... Um, Peter had bounced back. He'd, he'd realised the wrong that he'd done. He was ashamed of denying Jesus, for example. But Jesus restored him. You know, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So as we reflect on the challenge of discipleship, whether it is a challenge to disciple another person or submit ourselves as a disciple of another person. I think it would be good to remember the the things that others reflected on and also the example from Peter's life uh, as recorded in the Gospel and in the New Testament.
So, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the privilege of serving you as we do our part in making disciples of all men and women, as you've, as you've charged us to do. And we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to trust you, that you will give us the courage to speak out the things that your Spirit reveals to our spirit, that we will remain fully committed to this task that you've set for us, and that when we make mistakes, we will recover, we, we will learn and we will accept your forgiveness and your direction in our lives. We ask things, these things in your name, Jesus, and for your glory, God, our Father in heaven. Amen.